0: This morning, I want to finish our series on the empowering presence of God. The empowering presence of God. The last number of weeks we've been in this series talking about the empowering presence of God, the importance of God's presence. We've talked about living in God's presence. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to our base scripture, which is Psalms chapter 16. Today, I want to look at uh, two verses uh, and then uh, our verse 11. But the two verses are verses five and six out of the New King James Version, Psalms chapter 16, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says this, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And down in verse 11, It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. The God's Word translation puts verse 11 this way. It says, you make the path of life known to me. Complete joy is in your presence. Pleasures are by your side forevermore. You know, Jesus said something in John 10.10. He said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that more abundantly. And we see here that David is showing us, even before Jesus said that, that God is not just allowing us to grope and try to figure out that path. David said, you will show me the path of life. You will show me the path of life. It is Jesus' will that we live an abundant life. We live an abundant life. And God shows that to us. He makes known to us the path of life. Now, what does that do? One, it's great for us because now we don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to get a college degree about the path of life and all of those kind of things. Uh, God, God is showing me the path of life. But you know, the other thing it does, it takes away excuses in our life that we don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know the path of life. I wasn't really sure. But David is exclaiming here that you, God, make known the path of life. Here's what it requires from us. It requires us to seek his presence. Requires us to seek his presence. You see, being with God puts things into an eternal perspective. And all of the things that are temporal lose their hold on us because we have now a proper perspective when we get into God's presence. God's presence sometimes is referred to as a hiding place. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about embracing and experiencing his presence in the hiding place. The hiding place. Psalm 32, 7 uh, says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I love the scripture in Zephaniah where it talks about how God sings over us. Did you know that God sings over you? Just as a mother or a father will sing over a newborn, God sings over you. And he just doesn't sing any song. He doesn't sing that song about the baby's in the tree, the rock the cradle, and it's going to fall down, and the, the, the baby fell. I don't know. Right? No, he, he doesn't sing that song. He sings, I don't know where that even came from, Brother Al, but we sing it all the time. You guys ever have kids, don't sing that song to them, okay? Use the tune, but sing something different. Okay, but he, he, he says, you surround me with songs of deliverance. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word not in what I see, not in our economy, not in the pandemic, not in lack, not in storms, not in all of those things. My hope is in your word. Psalm 27 5 says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. The secret place of his, in his tabernacle. Then he goes on to say, he shall set me high upon a rock. I was talking to someone last week uh, our our daughters Uh, friend uh, who, they just graduated college together up at Anderson, and uh, she's the one who did my wife's hair, by the way, uh, Mackenzie, and uh, uh, she was over the house yesterday, but we were talking with her last week, and she was uh, talking about, hey, I heard there were some storms in Bloomington, and you know, there was a lot of flooding, and uh, so what what does that mean for your church? I mean, are you guys going to have church? Is the church messed up? What's going to happen? You know, she's up in Anderson, so she doesn't know, and I and I said, you know, I don't know for sure. And I know some people had trouble with the flooding. I said, um, but as for the church, we're on one of the highest hills in Bloomington. Now, I don't know if people will be able to get to church, you know, where they live. But for the church itself, we are way high up. How many you know there's, advantage, there's an advantage to God, to God setting up? Us up on a rock, on a high rock. He sets us above everything. So not only do, do the flood waters not get to you, but you also have a different perspective. I can see things a little differently when God sets me up high upon a rock. Colossians 3.3 says, for when you died, you died when Christ died, talking about you and I, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, it's all about our perspective. That's what it boils down to. It's about our perspective. I talked a lot some weeks ago about how reflecting on 2020, which now is a bad word, and we're trying not to even say that word anymore, maybe, but reflecting on that. How the church, it seemed like we were surprised and we were saying, what are we going to do? And, you know, God is telling us you should never be surprised. Don't be surprised at things that come. Don't you know, uh, yeah, everybody talks about Jesus walking on water, but we don't emphasize as much. There was a storm going on. It wasn't just walking on water. He was walking on water in the midst of a storm. And so he's saying, I have given you power to do that no matter what comes your way. You can call it a pandemic. You can, you can say there's economic troubles or uh, bad weather or whatever it may be, no matter what comes your way. Sure, it touches you. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not saying that we don't have hard times and we're not discouraged sometimes. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you that through the Holy Spirit, and if we would get into the presence of God, he has given us the presence of mind to have a perspective that is above everything else. And we can see an eternal, we have an eternal perspective. We can see things the way that he sees things. You know, something I came across, I found uh, this out and it's still kind of hard for me to believe. I was reading about birds, and I was reading this article, and I can't remember if it's about a specific bird or birds in general, but it was talking about how birds have different vision out of each eye. In other words, one of their eyes sees color, and their other eye sees movement. So this article said, and so it takes their eyes to work together to have a proper perspective. Right? If they lost one eye, all they would see is color, but no movement. They lost the other eye, they would see things moving, but they would see no color. And so just like those birds, our perspective depends upon what eyes we look through. Are we looking through God's eyes or are we looking through our eyes? Which perspective do we have? And so there's a couple of different kinds of people And what I'm doing with this series as we end it today, I'm trying to push us toward being a certain kind of person. You know, there's there's the discouraged person that has a distorted perspective. A discouraged person has a distorted perspective. See, a discouraged person sees uh, things happen around and they allow circumstances to discourage them. Maybe they see uh, good things happen to bad people. David dealt with this in Psalm 73. He David actually said this in Psalm 73. He said, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand it. And it's too painful for me. Because he's saying, God, I have given you my life. And I, and I see that these people are wicked. And the, thing that, the things that they do to your people. And how they disobey you. But I see good things happening to them. He said, I don't understand it. It's too painful for me. And he said, I didn't understand it until, until, until I went into the sanctuary of God. till I got into your presence. Then I understood their end. And I believe what he's saying is, now I can understand the perspective that you are giving Joshua. When you said, do not let the words of this law uh, depart from your mouth, but meditate on them day and night. To do all that is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you will have, watch it now, good success. See, there's a bad success and there's a good success. When we're blessed by God and he gives us the success, that's a good success. That's a sustaining success. That's a fulfilling success. There's a success that you can get with the world, but it is not a fulfilling success. And it comes with trouble. See, God brings us success. The world brings us trouble. Come on. We get discouraged as believers sometimes when we see hardships and trouble, maybe loss without reason. Okay? We see those things. We get discouraged when we see the innocent suffer. Come on. How many have seen that? We see the righteous go without their miracle. We get discouraged when we see a depressed economy. We see loss of jobs. We see a bad thing happen after bad thing. You ever been in a situation where it seems like one thing after another? One thing after another. My car broke down, and then I forgot about this bill that I was supposed to pay. And then my friend called me, and she was sick. And just one thing after another. And it it, it discourages us. We get discouraged when we see the death of a dream. I don't know how many people have experienced this, but you had a dream. You felt like you had a purpose. Maybe there's a crisis and that dream seems to die. We get discouraged. It could be the the broken dream of a young man who was sure that he was in love and he asked her to marry him and she said no. He's discouraged. It could be the young professional athlete who put all his eggs in that basket and he was good or she was good and all of a sudden an injury. And they can't do that anymore. They're, they're discouraged. It gives us a, a distorted perspective when we're away from the presence of God and we allow those things to discourage us. Distorted perspective about everything a distorted perspective and a distorted attitude about everything in life I was reading in Ecclesiastes and I know it's the word of God and I know it's canonized for you theologians I I I do get that I understand it but I want to tell you that uh, Solomon's perspective I I think he actually had to evolve and I don't mean human evolution just easy on okay but I think Solomon had to evolve okay because he was, he was saying, hey, listen, I've seen it all. I, 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 it's vanity, vanity of vanities. Everything is useless. What's the use? You know, he sort of had that perspective at one point. But can I tell you that Solomon also had uh, 700 wives. <laughs> Solomon also did some things that he wasn't supposed to do. You know, there's, there's times when we get ourselves into some situations and then we want to say, oh, well, God, what, what's it all for? And he's saying, listen, I've laid it out for you. I have shown you the path of life because you got off of that path. Don't blame me. Don't blame me, okay? Distorted perspective creates a distorted philosophy for living life, okay? A distorted perspective sees wisdom and knowledge as creating more grief. Solomon said in in chapter 1, verse 18 of Ecclesiastes, he said, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases in knowledge, increases in sorrow. This was his perspective. This was his perspective on life, right? And I believe that sometimes students, even in, our, in high schools and in our universities, are sometimes taught that there is no wisdom under the sun. There's only facts and observations. But I want to tell you that if you live long enough on this earth, you'll understand that there are facts, there are um, observations, there is science. But the longer you live, you find out that experience is also a great teacher. And there's some wisdom that you gain from being in the presence of God, a wisdom called discernment that you can't get with facts and observation. And I'm not downing that. We absolutely need facts and observation, But God gives us a wisdom, and I've said this before, you know, it it, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like this would be the right thing to say, because I absolutely love hard work. I, I try to teach my kids about hard work, my wife and I. We encourage each other to work hard, as we should. But when you're in the presence of God, there are places that favor will get you into that hard work will never get you into. And don't think I'm telling you not to work hard. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying that they go together. They go together. So that's the discouraged person. We want to be a presence person. A presence person. David said in Psalm 73, verse 16 and 17, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I got into your sanctuary, things became clear I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand how to do this. Why do bad things keep happening? Why is my life uh, so so chaotic and so full? Uh, let me let me just take you back um, to a a, a a a philosophy, I guess, if you will, uh, that that people see when they talk about God's perspective. <laughs> that if you give God the first, He'll bless the rest. If you give God the first, He'll bless the rest. Second Corinthians chapter four says, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, when I say eternal, I'm not talking about once you die and go to heaven. Can I just tell you a little secret? If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've believed in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah, and you've confessed with your mouth that God raised him from the dead on the third day, and he filled you with his spirit, you are now an eternal being right now, sitting here now. Yes, you may be trapped in this physical body for now, but there will be a day when you will be translated, all right, but but the same person in there will shed this body and get a new body, you're an eternal being now, right here, right now, and so God, God wants, he doesn't just want us to wait until we get to heaven, he wants us to bring heaven to earth right now, right here, right now, that's why we can say, for we walk by faith, not by sight, come on, the, 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 the person with the eternal perspective, the presence person uh, has a different perspective. They'll say this. They'll, when trouble comes, they'll say, uh, I will call on the Lord. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. I will call on the Lord. I will call on daddy. Not the bank. Come on. Not my, not my spreadsheet <laughs> or, or not, you know, not, not my gossiping partner. I will call on the Lord. First and foremost, why? Because Psalm 32, remember, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. All right, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. God will show me what to do and which way to go. They, they will say, their response will be, I will run to God. You know, Adam and Eve had this issue. You know, they, 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 they created the, the first sin by a human, if you will. I know Satan fell before that. But they created the first sin by a human. And what did they do? They ran from God. They hid from him. But the person who has a presence perspective, the presence person will say, I will run to God. Now, that's a hard thing to do. Come on, because our flesh wants to flee. Our flesh wants to go away. Our flesh wants to hide. But if you mess up, you fall short, run to God run to God. He is there for you. Run to him. And then I will run to God at all times. I will trust him at all times. Now, let me just tell you something about this all times. When When you hear I will trust God at all times, I believe the first thing that comes to your mind, if you're like me, is, boy, when it's tough, when it's hard, I am going to trust God. I'm going to trust him at all times. But can I tell you, it works both ways. When things are going well, when you have money in your bank account, when your relationships are great, when you're you're good with your boss, when it's sunny outside and the rain is gone, right? When you catch fish, when you hit the golf ball and you get a hole in one, when all those things happen, when you go shopping, you know, and it's 85% off on that dress you wanted, whatever it may be, (laughs) all right? You still have to say, I will trust God. I will trust God at all times. Don't turn your back on God in the good times. Here's a big one. Your response has to be this. This is a hard one. I am not caught by surprise. I am not caught, and I don't mean that in a negative way. A lot of times we use that very negatively. You know, you hear somebody messed up, someone dropped out of school, or they lost their job, you know, or they're back on the alcohol or whatever it may be. Oh, I'm not surprised i'm not talking about that in a negative way i'm talking about when things come i'm talking about when covid comes and i'm I'm talking about when it keeps hanging on i mean for good good lord it's been a year and a half how long you gonna hang on i'm talking about when those things hang on i'm not i'm not caught by surprise i'm not caught by surprise you know that's one of the things and i know jesus made this statement he said i'm amazed by your faith I know he made that statement, but I truly believe that Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit was never surprised. He was never surprised by demons. He was never surprised by sickness. He was never surprised by people. He he wasn't surprised by those things. And I know you might say, well, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult for us to do. And I'm not saying you're there now. I'm not saying I am there now. But I'm telling you that the only way to get to that place is to get into his presence. Find a time to get into God's presence, right? Your response can be, Lord, use it for my good. And this doesn't mean you embrace trouble. This doesn't mean I'm saying, oh, please bring trouble so you can use it for my good. No, I'm just telling you when things come against you, when people talk about you, all right, your perspective is different. Your perspective is different. I'm I'm, going to use this to glorify God. I'm going to use this thing to glorify God. Your response to trouble has to be, I will. I will come through this. I will come through this. That, that's what's going to happen. Already settle your mind on I'm coming through this. Now, how we get through it, that, that's, that's up to you. <laughs> how we get through it, but your mind has to be I will come through this. The right perspective for a presence person is that every trouble has a limited time span. We have to know that, guys. And, and you don't believe that? Keep living. Some of the, some of the folks I'm, I'm looking at here, I know, have been around three or four days at least. And you know what I'm talking about. It, just, just keep living. You'll understand that every trouble has a limited time span. It's not, you're not about to die. It's not the end of the world in a lot of, these, a lot of cases. <laughs> okay? All right? Every trouble holds a positive possibility. Right? Look at Joseph. We don't have time to go into that story, but I don't have to because you know it right? Every trouble has a positive possibility. Joseph is a perfect example of where favor will get you into places even above hard work. Do your hard work. Do your due diligence. But then if you have the favor of God, it'll take you above and beyond, okay? Trouble, uh, every trouble has already been to someone else's door. And here, I just added this little bit on here. Don't exaggerate your trouble, don't exaggerate your trouble i know it's it's bad but how long are you going to say woe is me when you're going to start using some scripture all right when you're going to start saying i'm healed in jesus name when you're going to start saying i'm more than a conqueror you can't be more than a conqueror if there's nothing to conquer right This is something to conquer, just something to conquer. What comes out of your mouth? Listen, you have the greatest weapon, the weapon being your mouth, honestly. And you have the greatest ammunition, that being the name of Jesus. Come on, talk about that more later. Every trouble has a potential of a miracle. We, I, I emphasize we don't want to live miracle to miracle. I'm trying to get us out of that mindset of just everything has to be a miracle. Because God gives us a way to live. You have shown me the path of life. All right, so I don't need to live miracle to miracle, but when we need a miracle, come on, every trouble has that potential. Here's what we have to say. I'm wrapping it up. Here's what we have to say. Here's here's the words that have to come out of our mouth. Number one, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer, according to 1 John 4, 4. He already overcame the world. Number two, I am more than a conqueror. These These are things that we have to say. This is what has to come out of our mouth. Number number three, I have the name of Jesus. In other words, he's already given it to me. I have that name. If it is the name that is above every name, why would we not use the name of Jesus? If he says, I have given you, if he says, up until now, you have asked, you have not asked anything in my name. But now you ask in my name. And it's my desire to give you what you asked for. Why would we not use the name of Jesus? name of Jesus includes submitting to him and his ways. Why would we not use it? And we must say the blessing is now. In fact, let me just end. Let me go over to Luke chapter 18 because I want to emphasize this point that the blessing is now. We're always waiting for something. I know that's been me. I have lived my life that way. Really. It's always like, well, you know, if I'm working a job, then I'm waiting till Friday all right, or if it's winter time, then I can't wait until summer or spring, you know, or if it's getting to be, you know, October, I can't wait till Thanksgiving, I can't wait till Christmas, I can't wait till we go on our trip next year, I can't wait till it's time for the cruise, I can't wait, you know, it's always like there's something out there, you know, but I had to realize, guess what, there is a today, there is a right here, right now, and you are blessed here now, Luke chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. Listen to what Jesus says. These are the words out of his mouth. And I promise you, this is my last scripture. All right. He says, truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life the good news translation put it this way Jesus said yes Jesus said to them, I assure you that anyone who leaves home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will receive much more in this present age and eternal and eternal life in the age to come. What is Jesus saying here? He's not telling you to to forget about your sister or divorce your wife and all of those things. What this is about, this is about priorities. See, I'm showing you, I'm I'm showing you that I'm done here, Brother Eldon, so there you go. So this, this, what this is about, this is about priorities. This is about what you make priority. If you would make me a priority over your wife, over your kids, over your job, over your brother and your sister, over your bank account, over your possessions. If you would make me authority over all of those things, then you will see why I said over in Matthew 6 that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. It is my God's good pleasure to bless you It's my God's good pleasure. He loves it. It's not just a side note. He's not saying, well, you know, if you do good, okay, I'll kind of bless you and we'll see what happens. No, he loves to bless you. It is my God's good pleasure to give you what you need and to bless you above all that you can ask or think. That has to be our perspective. But we just have to remember he has shown us the path of life. Don't get on another path and wonder how come God's not blessing you. That's the problem. That's the, that's the issue we have. We'll embrace a message like this, but then we'll go a different path and wonder why. He, that guy preached about God loves to bless us and we're overcomers and we're more than conquerors. I don't feel like I'm conquering. Well, look in the mirror. What path are you on? I mean, because it's not God. I mean, if it's between me and God, the problem has to lie with me. It has to lie somewhere with me. Now, listen, don't take that. The wrong. I'm not downing you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to encourage you. I want to encourage you that God loves to bless you. I want to encourage you to speak the name of Jesus every time there's trouble that comes your way. I want to encourage you to run to the presence of the Lord. Don't run away. Even if you mess up. Come on. You're not the only person that's ever messed up. And you can mess up big time. You can say, man, you don't know how I messed up this time. I mean, I really messed up. Guess what? God already knew it. In fact, he already knew you was going to mess up before you thought about messing up. He already seen it. If you, if you mess up this coming Wednesday, he already knew Friday you're going to mess up Wednesday. You don't even know. You think everything's going great. You're like, man, I'm a good person. It's <laughs> going to be a good week. Wait till this week, boy. You see, I'm going to do so much good stuff. You don't even know what's going to happen. And he already knows. And he still loves you. That's the thing. He still loves you knowing you're gonna mess up. That's the God that you serve. Why would you not speak the name of Jesus?